you know, I've worked for the same company for almost 22 years. And when I first started back in 97, it looked like most offices, I guess. There were people in suits, rows of desks and, well, bad coffee. Uh, We had meetings, we watched PowerPoints and we set sales targets. We clocked on at nine and off again at five. I soon realised, though, that this wasn't a typical company. Hey, it's Peter, and welcome to On Your Terms, a show all about personal reinvention based on meaningful work, autonomy, and living a happier, more intentional life. Ultimately, it's all about filling your backpack with whatever's missing so you can go and climb your mountain, where the climb is just as exciting as the peak. We occupied a quaint Victorian terrace in Melbourne's Italian district, and it had a real sense of warmth to it. It had period carpet, this gorgeous sunken boardroom, and salmon furniture throughout, and it kind of lent an air of calm. The whole environment was cosy and welcoming, more like a family of monastic nerds than a traditional corporate setting. And the people there were wonderful too. Our likeable development boss, Frank, gave instructions through coffee-stained smiles, and each of us gave him our loyalty and respect in return. He really remains one of the loveliest and most intelligent people I've ever worked with. Our managing director, Ken, soon became a mentor to me, and he informed many of my business and personal decisions over the decades that followed. You might recall that um, I did a story on Ken in the Midlife Mentor series a little while ago. Back then, the internet was still quite new, and I remember I got to work on our very first website. The Millennium Bug had taken over the tech world as well, and Frank's team spent many months prefixing dates in our old software with the numbers 1 and 9. After the world didn't end, and no planes fell from the skies, our company merged with another one. In the years leading up to that merger, I started questioning the traditional corporate setting and the stories that we tell ourselves about what it means to be at work. Why did we wear suits every day? I mean, who were we trying to impress? Why did we speak differently when we entered an office? And why did we have to sit in the same building together every day? I remember discussing this with Ken on a few occasions, and slowly things began to change. After a while, I started wearing black t-shirts to work, and the sales and marketing materials that I started putting together took on a more relaxed conversational style. Sometimes I also worked away from the office with a notepad and pen, hashing out different ideas in a park somewhere. I remember I once spent a whole week by a lake about 200 k's from my house, designing the bones of a software solution. It was kind of exciting, actually, and really one of the most enjoyable and productive weeks that I've had, I think, since I joined that company. There was something kind of unique about just sitting out there on a beautiful spring, sunny day by this lake, it was Lake McCohen, and... Just thinking freely, it's amazing, and I still do this to this day, it's amazing how much more productive you are when you're away from a traditional office setting. Um, without all the distractions, the noise, the fluoro lighting, the you know un- unpleasant looking environment, unless you work in a really cool office, most office environments don't really lend themselves to creativity and free thinking. But for me, getting out the road, getting in my car with a voice recorder and sitting on a beautiful you know lakeside park somewhere makes me 10 times more productive than sitting in my office or uh, certainly any corporate office. Now, the thing with Ken was um, he valued deep work and he recognized the importance of thinking time. I remember he once told me that if I needed to spend whole day staring at a wall, thinking through a problem, that was fine by him. I've always respected him for that because a lot of people place 
insufficient value on the process of free thinking and creative thought. They think that you need to be busy, that you need to be doing all the time, but uh, so often doing is not the most productive thing that you can be doing. Anyway, after the merger and as the company grew, things never really felt quite the same. I started to feel less like a trailblazer and more like an employee, just another body with a cubicle and a set of KPIs. My saviour came in the form of a new job opportunity. It had everything that I thought I lacked, more money, more status, and best of all, a chance to shape the future of an exciting tech startup. But within a few weeks, I knew I'd made a bad decision. Far from feeling energised, I actually felt more trapped than before. The money was huge, but the sacrifice was even greater. And within two months, I asked Kenny if I could come back. Luckily for me, he said yes. When I came back, he asked what I wanted to do, because, well, he'd already filled my role. He then asked me something that triggered a massive pivot in my life. He asked whether I'd like to go back on the payroll and work in the office, or just build the company each month and work from home. Now, at that point, I felt I'd already pushed my luck with the last decision, so going to the security of a desk in an office would have seemed logical, but I chose the second option. And for all intents and purposes, I remained, well, like the rest of the team, with projects, goals, and deliverables. The big difference was, though, I now had agency over where, how, and when I worked, and that, I soon discovered, was everything. That was 15 years ago. And I really believe that it remains my single best career slash life decision. Now, does it mean that I spend my days watching Netflix and stalking the fridge? (laughs) Well, no, not at all. I'm often so busy that I actually forget to eat. And I still have to deliver results, perhaps even more so than the other people in the office who show their faces every day. What it does mean is I can walk my son to school every morning and pick him up in the afternoon. It means I can dress like a bum if I want to and shower at midday, play music as loud as I want. I can fart when I like and if the weather's nice, I can pull my convertible out of the garage and go for a drive. It's the perfect life for someone who still needs or wants to work but hates fluoro lighting, peak hour traffic and pointless meetings. It satisfies my need to be productive, to do great work, but in an environment that truly supports it. Fifteen years ago, this arrangement was unusual, and some in the company saw me as a bit of a black sheep. Today, though, things are very different. My t-shirt rebellion is no longer considered an affront to corporate protocol. Many of my colleagues now work from home, and plenty of large businesses owe their success to t-shirt-wearing entrepreneurs. Thanks to the internet and a suite of inexpensive tools, working remotely is becoming the new norm, and that's because it benefits both parties. See, the thing is, workers want to reduce stress. They want to recover all that wasted time in traffic and that sort of thing. And they like to develop a greater sense of autonomy and purpose in life. Working from home or a cafe or a lakeside park or wherever gives them that. Employers, on the other hand, want engaged staff members who love their work, who don't need to be pushed to perform. They want results. And they care less these days about the geographical location of those who deliver those results. For each remote worker... There's one less office, cubicle or desk to provide, and meetings, when necessary, can be done on Skype, Zoom or GoToMeeting or a bunch of other tools. Now, you might have the opportunity to do this. Maybe you really want to do this. Chances are you'll still have to overcome some resistance, and much of it is self-imposed. Like anything new, even if it's good for us, we fear the unfamiliar. In this scenario, working from home, we worry about things like losing some of our identity and status, uh, getting passed over for promotions, feeling isolated or lonely, maybe being perceived as less valuable to the business, uh, becoming a hot mess due to a lack of structure and routine. 
being accountable to your team up and down the chain, uh, the perception that you're not committed to the job, and work time bleeding into personal time. Now, it's normal to feel these fears, but it doesn't mean that they're justified or accurate. There's definitely a right way to do this, and there are a few traps for the unprepared. They can all be overcome, though, and they're well worth the price of admission to the Work Life Freedom Club. It's important, too, that you see it from your employer's perspective and prepare your pitch in advance. You'll want to understand any likely objections and cover them off in your approach. It might involve testing the waters with a trial. When you define the expectations and establish simple ways of measuring the outcomes, it's a whole lot easier for everyone. No one feels like they're on the hook if it all goes south and you become an ice cream eating daytime soap addict. All these obstacles are worth tackling when you look at the benefits in more detail. Let me tell you why I do it. First of all, and I've mentioned this before, I get to walk my son to and from school every day. We chat about motorbikes and trees and Minecraft and the universe or whatever he's into that week. Aside from a dozen stay-at-home mums and a smattering of grandparents, everyone I see in the morning looks rushed and anxious. Their day's just begun and already they're late for work. After giving my boy a hug, I go for a walk around the neighbourhood. I've already worked a couple of hours before he wakes up, so I can afford and deserve some me time. If my kids are sick or they need my help, I'm always available. Most of us believe that family is our main priority. But really, when did you last attend a school event in the middle of the day? When did you take your kid to the doctor without checking for permission? Another big point for me is I shower at midday. Look, I know I'm weird, but I I love knocking over five or six hours of work before I have a shower. For me, it feels rebellious, which suits me to a T. Another thing is, and this is a big one, I work where I'm most productive. I hate the traditional office setting with bright lighting, background chatter, and, and lots of distractions. And most meetings are a complete waste of time. And if you're stuck in an office all day, then you get roped into meetings all the time. Also, my office has got floor-to-ceiling windows on two sides with greenery all around and lots of natural light. My desk is height-adjustable and I've got a pair of really nice speakers sitting there emitting peaceful or motivating noises depending on my mood. It's all set out exactly the way I want it, decorated with family photos and, and visual cues that get me in the mood to work. It's my office and no one can take it away from me. The environment that you work in is so important to how productive and motivated you feel and how long you can work throughout the day before you reach burnout. Another thing, no one cares if I fart, sing or read at my desk. Besides, my son thinks farts are awesome. (laughs) I can start and finish work pretty much when I choose. This is another big one. I know this isn't possible for everyone, but the point is I can get cracking on a project at six o'clock in the morning if I want to, or I can do a few extra hours at night or without leaving home. In the uh, in the winter months, there's something really depressing, I think, about being in an office somewhere in a city, and it's already dark outside when you leave. It, it just doesn't feel right. But when you're at home already, it's fine. You know, I've had projects where I've had to work on them at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night, you know, and because they're important enough and they're urgent enough, it's fine. I don't mind. But if I had to get in the car and drive to some bloody office somewhere to do that, I'd want to kill myself. Another thing is, I can access a lot more productive hours each day because I don't have to put on a suit or drive to work or park the car or speak to anyone I don't want to. My office is literally, and I counter this, my office is literally 35 steps away from my bedroom, so I can be up and working in a couple of minutes flat. Now that is efficiency. And like I said before, when the sun comes out and the mood strikes, I grab my laptop, I jump in the car, and I nick off to a park somewhere. This alone is worth the price of admission. 
working outside feels kind of naughty, like skitty dipping. You've got the breeze on your face and the sun on the back of your neck, and you can enjoy all the sounds and the smells of the great outdoors. And besides, most country parks are empty on weekdays, so it's brilliant. The Industrial Revolution gave us many things. Things like factory jobs, of which really corporate life is only a cleaner version. It gave us cheaper goods and technical innovation. But it also gave us pollution, consumerism and stress. Despite the technology revolution, many of the older issues still linger. And now new ones have moved to the fore. We worry about income security. So we get married to our job. Our kids hardly see us. It feels like we live to work. And oftentimes the work itself lacks purpose and meaning. We long for a change, but we can't let go of the present. I describe working from home as the gateway drug to freedom and happiness. Apart from the obvious benefits of working where you like, it opens the door to other opportunities with financial benefits. By quitting the daily rush hour and the stress and the exhaustion that it creates, you recover precious time and energy to try other things. Maybe you're brilliant at what you do and you'd like to offer the same expertise to other people. Or perhaps you want to explore other aspects of your industry and create products or services around those. Or maybe, like many of us, you have a passion for something completely unrelated. Once you gain control over how, where and when you work, you can explore other tantalising options. And this is where the practice of working remotely gets really exciting. Because in my mind, money buys nice things, but autonomy and freedom buy happiness. If you lock me in a corporate cage on a $300,000 a year salary, or you let me work on my terms for $100,000, I'll take the second option every time. There are a lot of reasons, but a big one is this. In corporate life, others determine the rules of the game and the limits of my creative and financial reward, and they can revoke them on a whim. When I work on my terms, it's all up to me. There's no arbitrary limit, only blue skies and oceans. Now, I don't want a billion-dollar business. Maybe you don't either. But having multiple revenue streams has changed my life. Over the years, I've taken the skills I'm good at, combined them with opportunities I enjoy, and built extra sources of income. If one thing goes south, I can always ramp up another. To me, that's the ultimate form of income security because I control it. Here's a great quote from Ellen Goodman. Normal is getting dressed in clothes that you buy for work, driving through traffic in a car that you're still paying for in order to get to the job that you need so you can pay for the clothes, the car, the house that you leave empty all day in order to afford to live in it. (laughs) When the global financial crisis hit, my employer almost went bust and overnight my income halved. Because I had a couple of side projects on the go, at that time, property development, I simply devoted more time and energy to those. It was still tough, but I made it through. And then I got divorced and lost everything anyway. (laughs) Life's funny like that. Um, I've written about midlife mastery for a few years now, but the one thing that's made the most difference to this season of my life is this ability to work from anywhere, to work on my terms. Today, there are lots of opportunities to build a side business, but it can be tough to create anything after 10 hours away from home each day. I mean, you're exhausted. Your kids need you. Your partner needs you. You have to tidy up the house, empty the dishwasher, put clothes away, and you need to eat and sleep. So when do you find the time? The truth is, doing your normal job at home gives you a lot of the benefits that you're seeking anyway without starting a business. I'm so convinced of the power of this that I began working months ago on a new project called Office Anywhere, and it's launching in September next month. When I reclaimed my wasted hours in transit, in meetings and aimless distractions, great things happened. I started to get my life back. I recovered more of life's most precious resource, time. 
By reclaiming just two hours, five days a week, I gained 520 hours a year, or 13 working weeks. 13 weeks! From there, it was easy to get two of life's other most coveted assets, autonomy and purpose. If I had to return to the daily commute and sit in an office every day, seriously, I'd have to start drinking at noon, or I'd hang myself. I just couldn't do it. I've seen the other side, and there's no way I'm going back. So over the next decade, what I want to do is help other people get their lives back by learning to work from anywhere. Now, I know it is impossible for everyone. You can't exactly drive a metro bus from your den or perform orthopedic surgery from your kitchen table. But for millions, it is possible. And maybe you're one of them. I care a lot about midlife reinvention, so I'm going to keep writing about it. But I'm also going to write about working on your own terms because I know it's a life changer. That was part of the reason behind the podcast name change. The simple fact is, I have a really good life these days. There are many reasons for it. You know, I've got a wonderful wife, I've got great kids, good health. But two of the biggest reasons are these. Number one, I work when, where and how I want. And number two, because I work on my terms, I'm free to pursue other things. That's it, in a nutshell. So if this idea sounds appealing, if the thought of working on your terms gives you goosebumps, go and download a free escape plan that I've put together as part of this course that I'm launching in a couple of months. Uh, The escape plan is going to cost you nothing. Um, Just go to officeanywhere.co and sign up there and you can download, I think it's about 13 pages long. And it's actually uh, the first of six guides in my Work Anywhere video course. So you're going to notice some references in there to course videos and other bits and pieces. I'll fill you in a bit closer to the launch, but don't worry, I'm not going to start badgering you to join the course. Uh, But those bits in that document in the escape plan that mentions the course, feel free to ignore those. Um, In there is also an intro to the course. uh, Plus, and this is the big thing, a sample draft letter with instructions to pitch your boss on letting you work from home. I hope you find it useful. So until next week, thanks for listening into this, I think probably the longest post I've ever written on Midlife Tribe. Uh, if you have any questions, you can email me at any time at peter at midlifetribe.com and uh, you'll find the corresponding blog post for this over at midlifetribe.com slash 54. So this is the 54th episode of the On Your Terms podcast, previously known as the Midlife Mastery podcast. So thanks again for hanging around, for listening in. I appreciate you being here. Here's to living and working on your terms. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.